Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Did you get the frog? I don't know, dude. We'll see. Does that ever happen to you while you're preaching or celebrating mass? Yeah. Especially morning masses. Morning masses. I'm usually good by preaching time, but Mm -hmm. getting through the collect sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Once or twice it's happened like where I can feel it coming at the beginning of like Eucharistic prayer too. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I better not have an interruption at the words of consecration. Yeah. Never had it so far. Knock on wood. Got the, you got to be quick with that, like mic on and off. Do y'all have Mm -hmm. mics in the St. John Paul Newman Center? No. St. John Paul II Newman Center at the University of Illinois, Chicago. (laughs) No, we don't have them. Well, and we'll say larger operations. Uh, You got to be quick with that microphone, dude. You do. There's a couple of times where I've, I've turned it off and done like a, a full on Smolonic. <laughs> it's like, I gotta get this out, man. Yeah, because I know if I don't get it, it's just gonna hang out there. It's just gonna stay. It's just Why gonna is stay. it that we have to uh, do the the noise? Um, <laughs> That's a good question. I have no idea. I think it's just a reflex. But sometimes people will do the noise in a way <laughs> that seems unnecessary, and you're like, "Are you making fun <laughs> of me right now?" <clears throat> <laughs> I, here's another one that I I get sometimes. I'll have a sneeze that comes Mm -hmm. like in the middle of the, (laughs) sometimes, especially over the wine, I don't know, the smell Mm -hmm. will, will hit me. And so then I'll do the, it'll, it'll hit my olfactory senses. Nice word, dude. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'll have the sneeze face that goes on. Yeah. And then inevitably (laughs) it'll never come. Right. And so then it looks like I just had a stroke, like <laughs> mid Eucharistic prayer. Right. And I'll kind of point to my nose, try to give an indicator, like everything's okay. <laughs> Dude, Father Mike is having a rough day today. Yeah. Just got to communicate with the people. Let them know you're okay. We'll give you a minute. <laughs> just... <laughs> so you guys are good, huh? It's been a, It's been a minute. Yeah. It has been. What's happened since the last time we talked? A lot of stuff. Cruising through Lent. Um, I'm trying to think anything significant. So it's probably been about three or four weeks, but <clears throat> back to the, well, there it is. Back to the <coughs> early morning, <coughs> morning podcast here. I love morning podcasts. These are my favorite. Yeah, same. Lots of, uh, lots of frogs on the throat, which I think at one point, Connor you were like hey don't do that <laughs> yeah i you, have the most uh, attention to audio hygiene <clears throat> that's you, true you do you did talk to us about that a couple times but you were exceptionally passive aggressive towards mike's nose whistling <laughs> <laughs> it was one of my that's one of my i hope this is okay to put on this side of the veil to the fans but it's one of my favorite podcast memories of you talk to us about it and 
Mets, you were pretty adamant it wasn't you. You're like, <laughs> yep. no, I don't think so. Yeah, like, no, dog, you're to wrong. To which point we got a text later in the day <laughs> with the audio isolated of the noise whistle of the nose whistling <laughs> just cranked i ampli- yeah. amplified it like 30 times it was just my audio yeah. and it was just this it's this, excruciating it, it yeah. almost sounded like your tin whistle <laughs> it was just your septum yep dang dude i had no idea that i did that mm-hmm. I, had, I had no clue it was enlightening so i you know what i appreciate it mm-hmm now I'm now I feel like I'm better f- for it. Yeah. Yep. Do you guys I, feel this is something I've been thinking about this week, uh, which is Holy Week? Um, that you have grown in any specific ways this year since the last time we celebrated these mysteries. Oh, my answer to that is immediate in yes. Mm-hmm. Um like looking back on the last year, I mean, you guys know a lot of the kind of ins and outs and everything, but yes, immense growth. Um, yeah, I would say the is, same thing. I don't, I don't know if like we can talk about all the specifics or if that's, but it just occurred to me like the, the ways that we've grown have been very significant. The experiences of the last year and, I don't know. And it's just in the context of of the cross and the resurrection. Um it makes like the liturgical life makes more sense, you know. I really feel like I am m- more able to enter into what is happening. And yeah. like the sacramental world is more apparent to me that like liturgically entering into Holy Thursday, Good Friday, mm. um, is not like a. We know it, and we say that it's not just a play or, or a, like a reminder of something that happened a long time ago. But this is the way that God ushers us into what's happening. This like progressive mystery of the ascension of all the church. Yesterday, I was, I was praying in the empty church. Uh, I just opened up to Revelation. I've been praying with it a, a while back, so I had a little marker in there, but it um, kind of fell open to the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. And God just saying he's making his dwelling with the human race forever. Um, and just in the empty church, in the context of Good Friday, just uh, it's a powerful reminder, like what? What this all means, I don't have to like conjure a feeling. This was my experience this year, not needing to, as I've done in the past, sometimes like trying to make myself feel Good Friday or Holy Saturday or Easter Sunday, but just hmm. being how I am and who I am and letting him kind of show me stuff and invite me in. Um, being less self-conscious, I think that's one way that I've, I've grown a lot and it's a, it's a big gift. Yeah. The, um, I think it's in the similar vein, but I'm going to read that. I sent, I have it on my phone, so I sent it to somebody recently, but this was from the, uh, I don't know what article it is, but it's from the new word on fire journal, which is on suffering. So I'm very intrigued to work through it, but 
just says, the world dances to the tune that God sets. Our preferences are irrelevant. Life becomes more serene when we are content to join the cosmic chorus rather than attempting to impose our will on the world around us and then wondering why we feel frustrated. Hmm. And so a big image for me, Lent is, um, yeah, it's actually, it came from you during COVID, Bisque, but I prayed with it a lot of, you were talking about your garden, like getting out of control. <laughs> and um, I remember you saying the line, but you were just reflecting and you're like, the kingdom of God is just coming. And like, we just get to tend it, but it's just coming. And um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting, a, a similar vein um, of what you were saying in Holy Week of like, honest, I don't know how this is maybe a summary, but um, one of the big points of growth in me, and I would have said it before this year, is like, you just have to feel what you feel. Like life has undulation, there's ups and downs, and like you can't tell yourself how to feel. But like being able to relate that in prayer, like reality is hard, but it's better. And I'm not that good at staying in it, but if you're in it, like, and things are real, then it's the only way. Like the kingdom of God is just coming there. Mm -hmm. So that's what, yeah, Holy Week, that's good words. Um, I think I've had a similar experience without putting putting those type of words on it. Um, but just setting, sitting in the, in the reality um, of it. It's a beautiful thing, man. Connor, if I can, if I can ask, what do you think has changed so that you feel like you can enter maybe more easily and less self-consciously, maybe another way to put it is more Christocentrically mm. into the liturgies, obviously without getting into any details or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> I think the twin reasons of suffering and kindness, like I've just suffered um, some in ways that I didn't choose, um, which has broken down some of my false self and um, the way that I think in my fallenness and woundedness um, coped with reality. And then God's kindness and his providence and like IPF and different friendships and um, just the daily faithfulness of him showing up every day to help me. Um, I think that in a way of like actual grace has reassembled or just like let grown my true self or given my true self me the actual person that God made more freedom to be and um, be in communion. And so it's not a self-reliant exercise every year that like, okay, it's Lent time, time to be sad and fast. Okay. It's good Friday time to be even sadder. Okay. It's only Saturday. <clears throat> and actually what we're, we're doing is just mer mission identity relationship. Like, just trying to accomplish things and do a good job. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know how to put it <laughs> into great words, but 
it's still you're still operating you're still doing things but it's cooperating with with god's freedom and it's surprisingly fun and beautiful and life-giving but it's also like um painfully real you know it's almost like the uh i'm thinking of the c.s lewis image from the great divorce when all the ghosts are stepping on the grass in heaven and it's like too sharp for their feet because everything in heaven is so much more real um that's kind of how i feel yeah yeah i don't know to to answer your question um i don't know i guess i'd have to think about it there's there's nothing that immediately comes to mind um i mean i i do think there i have grown especially more in um like the human side of things when it comes to contouring my life to the shape of the the people that i'm trying to serve it takes a, a little bit more discipline and a little bit more virtue and so i i do feel like i've grown in that but I guess I'd have to look internally and ask. Um, but I, I have had that experience in the past, what you're talking about with the Tridom and the liturgy in general, that when you live in reality, well, I'll say it in the negative, when you don't live in reality consistently or in communion with God, the liturgy can seem like very irrelevant and unapplicable and just very distant from the individual. But I think when you live in reality and you enter into the liturgy, it becomes immediately relevant and pertinent. Mm. And it, uh, because it's God's desire to save us and walk with us in our suffering. And if you live there and you, and you allow reality to happen, then the liturgy instantly speaks to that. You don't have to kind of force it or wiggle your way into it. Um, it's just God's response of love to the suffering human heart. And I think when, uh, yeah, when you allow that to take place, then when you do enter in, especially into the triduum, it just instantly makes sense because it's, it's the core ad core loquitur. It's God's open heart speaking to your open heart and walking you through the Paschal mystery into the resurrection. Um, yeah, so th- I guess it, there's more relevance, and I don't mean that in like a um, kind of a fleeting relevance. I mean like it's 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 actually speaking to the individual. Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if this is exactly what you're getting at, um, but just reflecting on the fly here. Like this week has, it's still felt um, hectic in a way for for me. I don't know if I'll be able to convey exactly the reality going on interiorly. Um, but, you know, at least so far in, in the Triduum, um, it hasn't felt any any different. It's still like a little bit hectic and it's like, okay, now we do this, now we do that. And then, and trying to kind of keep all the moving pieces together and all, all of that. Um, but there's just a difference this year in like being okay with that, which has allowed 
the reality of what's happening to, um, I don't know, um, be deeper. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I don't really have words, um, on it, but I, I, uh, yeah, I, I can't say that at least thus far in Holy Week, I've been like deeply moved from a feeling perspective or an emotional perspective of anything in a new or different different way. And and honestly, in many ways, it's felt um, cumbersome in in a sense of like, okay, like wh- what do we do here? And like kind of going through everything. And so I felt at ease with it. In like, hey, this isn't. We'll 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 do it. It'll be a beautiful liturgy and everything like that. Um, but the, I don't know, man. I it's the to me, and and this could be make no sense other than in my brain. Um, but it, that's just the it's the relationship identity mission thing. And like, if you're cultivating relationship and trying to be receiving an identity. Um, in that, in the liturgies, in this, in this time, it's just this freedom, man, of like, it's, it, it's not irrelevant in that God doesn't care, but it's so irrelevant in how I feel about this because like reality is reality mm-hmm. and there's like freedom in that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was moved uh, deeply on Holy Thursday. Um, I preached about Michelle Dupong. Um, do you guys know her story? Mm-hmm. Mike, are you familiar? Uh, she was the the focused missionary, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not really. Honestly, not really. I mean, long story short, she uh, was a focused missionary, um, exceptionally joyful. Uh, you know, like many focused missionaries, evangelized through authentic friendship and Many people have testified to her, her faithfulness, her her um, her goodness, and then she got diagnosed with with aggressive colon cancer, and in less than a year died. Um, but heroically suffered, and even during her suffering, was um, evangelizing. People would come to her and visit her, and everybody, as you do with the saints, left feeling like they had been ministered to, and not vice versa. And um, there's some stories of of how she was able to, even in the midst of her great suffering, both physical, but also just the mental suffering of, uh, like for instance, when the doctor came, I told this story, it's always moved me from this documentary they made about her that, uh, the day that the doctor came in and said, there's really nothing more we can do and we have to let nature take its course. She just paused, looked down and then looked up and said, Dr. Nair, how are you doing today? And was able to attend, like, and the, the authenticity of the interaction left the doctor speechless. He left the room for a little bit. <clears throat> um, I made the connection between that and Jesus in his last hours, like realizing what, what's going on in, in the John account that you read on Holy Thursday. You know, he he knew his hour had arrived, and he loved them, and he, you know, he loved them to the end. Like even in these last moments, he knows he's about to be betrayed, abandoned, denied. Um, by these particular men and like what the whole um, storm of what's coming. Uh, and yet his thought is about them. His heart is for them and giving him these gifts of the Eucharist, washing their feet. Um, 
he wants to give them joy. Uh, and the whole idea of like living a Eucharistic life and what the meaning of the priesthood is. And even just that day was in God's province, like a really priestly day. Um, just the people seeking me out and, um, a lot, a lot happened on Thursday, but, um, the children's hospital called me as well. And that doesn't normally happen. And I'm on their list every once in a while to call, but I guess, you know, priests were parish priests were all busy. So they called me and I I had a little bit of a window in the middle of the day to go. And it was this family and their nine-year-old daughter had cancer and she'd had like an acute event in her brain and, um, was on life support and teenage sisters and the parents were relatively young, probably in their forties. And, uh, I just went and asked, uh, if the girl had been confirmed yet and they said no she was supposed to get her first communion this this year and it was like unexpected she'd been sick with cancer for all but it was unexpected that something so sudden would happen and so i just confirmed her and gave her the name mary for confirmation and um gave her anointing of the sick and absolution a blessing um and then left i mean and it was just you know that but of course she's on my heart her name and thinking of her as entering into this mass and everything, you know, my own suffering. And then the way that that has by God's grace, not made me collapse into myself and how much of a gift it is to be a priest and to have Jesus explode your heart for people. And like the mass was, it was (laughs) right before I started preaching the kid behind me who I love, knocked over the incense boat and it just goes blink and like just dust everywhere. Um, and there are a couple of hiccups like that. Um, but that's also been a really beautiful grace this year is like the more student ownership and um, like the price of, of having <coughs> the students run everything is that it's not going to be as good as if you did it all yourself, you know, like, um, but I've, I've done Holy Weeks like that where you're just like trying to make the performance beautiful. Uh, and this, this year just feels more natural, more, um, like this is, this is the people who I love and this is what we do as Christians. We, we live this mystery year in and year out and it progressively has its effect on us and Christianity is real and it's dope. (laughs) Yeah. Christianity is dope, dude. It's the dopest. It's so dope. Yeah, it Holy Week has felt a, a little bit more cumbersome when it comes to the liturgical um the liturgical participation as a priest, but but it's still been a great Holy Week and um I mean, it just resonates that feeling of gratitude for the priesthood. I have felt that very, very much. And like what a gift it is to be a priest and the little experiences, both of other priests here on post, which thanks be to God, there's just awesome other priests here. Um, you know, it's like, it's one of the things that I'll tell young people or even our, our uh, soldiers that come in. 
like encouraging them, like, keep coming back, keep seeing me, like, keep coming back to confession, coming back to mass. Like you need Jesus. You, you need a priest for confession. And, and I need a priest for confession. Like even as priests, we need priests. Um, and then being able to just kind of meet them in those really humble, hidden moments. Um, it, it's it made me so happy to be a priest. I will say that that that's definitely been a felt experience during Holy Week. Um, you know, being out, like I told y'all that little story of the finish line on Good Friday. Mm-hmm. I have people seeking me out on, on the field to go to confession before they go to like Good Friday and, and Easter Sunday vigils. Uh, <coughs> and so it's like, it's just a great place and it it's a great joy to be a priest. So I, I really have felt that. Uh, that's been an affective movement hmm. throughout the the Holy Week and, and probably throughout the entire year here. Um, I, but I wouldn't consider that really a change in me, but maybe an increase in the gratitude for the gift of the vocation, which I, I think it, it's reassuring because we call the vocation a gift. And it doesn't always feel like that. But you know, <clears throat> something that you said earlier, Rob, it's like the feeling... I want to feel it, but it's not the most important thing at this point. Um, it, but then when you have a feeling towards something that corresponds to how you're to the goodness of it, which is like that, that vocation, it really does feel extra joyful. It's like, I know this thing is a gift. I'm told that it's a gift and I believe that it's a gift. And now it actually feels, I can feel the fullness of the gift of this. And, um, I, th- I think there's a lot of joy in, in that. So I, I have experienced that big time this last week. It's good to be a priest, guys. Mm-hmm. It is. I, I went to the grocery store yesterday and stocked up on gummy worms and Milano's. And <laughs> mm, good for Easter. I think I'm going to go out and get some. I think I'm going to get some champagne and you're going to drink some mojitos tomorrow. <laughs> uh-huh. Mojitos made with champagne? Yeah. <laughs> what type of mojito are you making? I think well, you're thinking of a mimosa. Oh, I, I'm thinking of a mimosa. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. I need to do some research, <laughs> obviously. I think it's just orange juice and champagne. And champagne. 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 Yeah, man. What are you going to do for Easter, Roberto? You could have won. Um, I got the masses here in the morning. And then the booster club here does. It was super fun last year. I think the weather's supposed to be nice. But um, the they do an Easter egg hunt for the kids after the la- like the 1030 mass. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just super, super fun last year. Like all these kids uh, running around. And I like the reflected on that a little bit the last couple of weeks, but, um, yeah, the, the 1030 mass will be, you know, real crowded on, on Easter, um, or at least anticipating it to be. And I have found, I found that at Christmas Eve <clears throat> this last year of the early mass was just jam packed. And, um, I don't know, it was, it was cool in thinking about that of the experience for me was, it's just like so good to have everybody home there. 
And so just that image of like a, a full church and, um, and then, yeah, just like all that, the, the morning festivities here at the parish, I'm very much looking forward, um, to, and so that's tomorrow. And I told, um, Mets will kind of get everything like finished up here. And then I'm going to drive up on in the evening tomorrow night. And my sister is, is hosting, um, like dinner for, for the family. So that works out really good. And I'm going to spend Monday and Tuesday just in the woods, kind of off the grid, um, hunting Illinois turkeys. And then yeah, back at it for the last like month and a half of school here. Illinois turkeys. You have to shoot turkeys in the head, right? You do. Yep. Man. That's a a pretty small target. It's a little head. Is there like a special choke for the shotgun turkey shot or something? Or Yeah. You... We've always used like really tight chokes because turkeys are, are big. You know, you want to be able to extend the shot a little bit. So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. then do you pluck a turkey? How do you, what do you do once you get a turkey? Um, no, I've never, I've never tried to you just chuck on. it in the ditch on the way home. <laughs> no, we just always like, like the turkey breast is, is good, you know? Oh, yeah. So it's kind of fun. You dig the shot out of them. If any of the shot got, yeah got in it and that's it, man. A little bit of lead. Never hurt anybody. No, no, it's all fine. Yeah. <laughs> all, it's good for the guts. Good for the guts. And you want to get some heavy metals in your diet. Big time. Mm-hmm. Did I will say um, this is not as deep as what we were talking about, um, but the the Lenten practice of the light phone, the dumb phone didn't work out. Like it didn't hmm. turn. I have Verizon and like I couldn't get the text messages figured out at all. I, I don't know. And I read I anyway, I finally I was like, I've spent too much time on this. So I just finally took the discipline to like actually dumb down my iPhone. And I had somebody even like put the code in. I was like, so I'm done. This thing's like, mm. you know, it's no locked internet. out of your control. I'm locked out, man. And um, it's been great. It's like, so I've cut the screen time down to like maybe 20% of what it was. Mm. And um, not going back. What can back you still on do that. on it? Um, like maps. And I can download apps. Um, mm-hmm. So I still have like iBerievery mm-hmm. on their uh, calendar you know, different things. I have the emergency line like on there as well for, for the parish. So I feel very much like, Oh, okay. This is actually now a tool mm-hmm. that is helpful to, to me. Um, it's been very good, but I noticed, and it's weird. I don't know how long it's been since I've done this, but, um, I was laying in bed, uh, the other night and, I was just kind of like daydreaming, staring at the ceiling. And I was like, it's been a really long time since I've done that. <laughs> Cause like you just always go to your phone. So like little things like that, you notice. So mm-hmm. um anyway, I'm not going back from from that. The iPhone is staying dumber nice. moving forward. Even if you miss the flesh pots, you're mm-hmm. not going back. I'm not Egypt. going back. No, not Those going flesh back. Flesh pots. It's weird how mail gets lost. <laughs> mm-hmm. the flesh pots and the the pot sherds what are flesh pots it's pots full of meat whoa oh i guess yeah hmm. okay 
That makes sense. That's, that's how I've always pictured it. They just miss eating the meats. The meats. And those fancy Egyptian spices and the curries word, and what have you. Word, I get that. I get that. Um, We're sick of this manna. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. So when you were talking about throwing turkeys in ditches, it did make me think of, whoa, I hope somebody from PETA isn't listening. Uh, and it does we have a big me... PETA contingent in her. <laughs> um, the PETA, <laughs> I know this is, the PETA Twitter account is gold, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I came across a couple of their tweets. Uh they were sent my way and they are hilarious, dude. <laughs> Not intentionally or intentionally? No, unintentionally. <laughs> they uh they, Can I guess who sent them to you? Is it Paul Porter? <laughs> no, it wasn't Paul. <laughs> it's too sophisticated humor for Paul. He would be like, nah, I'm over that. Um he doesn't give PETA enough credit, I think is the issue. But there's like a column of um how we need to quit using animal terms for derogatory language. <laughs> so mm. it was like trying to translate what you would formerly known as like, if you called somebody a pig, like don't call them that it demeans pigs. So they're like, <laughs> call them something like a slob or like, if you have somebody that tells on you, don't call them a rat, <laughs> call them a snitch. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, so they have this whole like translation of uh, trying to help protect the, the animals' yeah, the reputation. reputation of the animals, dude. Yeah, rats, man. They, we, we, a lot of times they get a bad rap because they're such nice animals. For big time, all the bacteria <laughs> and like plague that they spread. It's great, dude. It's so funny, man. I love it. It, yeah. it made me made me laugh pretty hard. Um, yeah, some of the stuff that they say is, oh, there was one. It was like, oh, here we go on the Egypt theme. It was like we need to stop camel abuse write the embassy of egyptian tourism and make sure all camel rides are banned forever like Whoa. protect the camels <laughs> hashtag camel rights <laughs> well, do camels even exist in the wild like that's one of those i have no idea questions like what happens when a horse dies what do they do like i have no and it like shows a picture of a camel who's like tripping as he's giving a ride to a tourist and they're like stop camel abuse oh Camels. That would make me sad if they were hurting the camel, but I've seen the camel rides in the Holy Land, and the camel seems like he's doing great. He's doing he's doing pretty well. I'm man. sure he's doing better than camels are doing in the wild, in the desert. Yeah. What are those called? Dromedaries, or is that a whole other species? A dromedary? Yeah. We're getting into the whole Whoa. Old, I don't know, Old Testament stuff. I always pictured a dromedary was like something that one of the three kings was holding, and it was full of treasures. <laughs> No, I think a dromedary is uh, another type of camel species. Mm. Megan, you're going to have to fact check that one. Yeah. What's a caravan? That's just like a long line of camel guys. Yeah. Bringing stuff from the east. A caravan was the, it was the uh, metric of, of weight for one block in a pyramid. I think they said this is a... Well, we have a caravan's worth of marble and stone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a stone that's five hands wide. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. Caravan. That's like five hands in mm -hmm. Egypt. Chin. Yeah. <laughs> but also, caravan means 
the pikers in the movie snatch they called their trailers caravans and then we also have dodge caravans so it kind of has three meanings that's yeah i was thinking of snatch too yep <clears throat> hey it sounds like we should probably wrap this one up huh <laughs> maybe, maybe we're done <laughs> maybe let's call it yeah all right well good to see you guys enjoy your easters happy easter oh timestamp. shoot shoot well we've been talking about holy week yeah all right later see ya see you guys follow three dogs north on instagram Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.